You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Peace be upon you all and in the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. Um, you are listening to myself, Zakaria, and my co presenter, Saad Ahmed. Saad, how are you? Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, I'm really good today. Good, good, good. Alhamdulillah, and, and, and I'm feeling really happy and actually extra happy because of the weather as well. It's amazing. Yeah, Alhamdulillah, today the weather is really good. Amazing, amazing. So it's five past four, and you are listening to the Voice of Islam Drive Time Show. Uh, this is broadcasted live 24 7 on DAB online or via the Voice of Islam app. Um, if you'd like to contact us, you can always call us at 020 8687 The number is 020 And you can also visit our website, voiceofislam.co.uk. If you'd like to, um, you know, uh, find us on the social media platforms. You can always search us for Voice of Islam. You know, find us, and 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 uh, especially we're very active on Twitter. On Twitter, you could uh, you know look for us at Voice of Islam UK. Saad, how are you? And uh, what are we going to discuss today? So today we have two topics. The first I will be discussing regarding demand for more news on faith and religion okay and the second hour will be really interesting today if we were t- about girls day the need for more female empowerment okay okay so very important uh, topics indeed um and, and especially because our um radio station we focus on faith as well because yes. me myself you as well you are a faithful person and we believe in in the religion of islam and we try to touch on the topics of faith as well um, next to the secular um, you know information so today we will be in the first hour as you know for those who are familiar to our show we split our hours into different topics and in the first hour from four till five we'll be discussing on the demand for more news on religion and the other hour we will be discussing about the female or the woman's empowerment now there are various news, you know, views and misconceptions on the religion and how it affects the world. Some do not know how it affects the current population in this day and age, while some consider it as an essential part of life. Others claim otherwise. Current news articles showcase a variety of headlines in dramatic ways. In light of this, should news regarding faith and religion exist or not? Faith and religion encompasses 84% of the population and this should be taken into account. Dramatic headlines may encourage division among people. And we see this division um, of faithful people or people um, you know, who have some sort of faith, Christians, Jews, Hindus, Muslims, etc., etc. But then you, you have people who you know, 
get involved in the news a lot yes. and they believe everything what is what is said in the news isn't it that's why it's really vital and very important mm. to this mass population to be re- represented properly in yep. the media because yep. without this there's a, a 0.1% which is i don't want to say the word evil but you know who's p- putting some wrong things regarding religion out yeah. there mm. it's less than 1% 0.1% sorry mm-hmm. so and there's a massive population who are faithful who are religious and righteous and because of these 0.1% of people is affecting the mass population exactly i mean the this this 0.1% are the per- people who actually are responsible for um giving out the news right they you know a, a advice or something that we want to discuss is that there shouldn't you know whatever message you send okay there could be bad and good news which is the fact news but when when it comes to religion what i think is you should directly speak to religious leaders or sp- people who have faith and why they have faith right in order to have a you know in order to understand each other and this is how we uh, don't make any divisions so the accurate representation of each religious group is very vital and very important and this represents most of the population this can cause conflicts if not you know done so so the religion still uh, you know plays a vital role in society and how influences people and many religious groups are in fact growing due to religion with islam being the currently fastest growing religion around the globe and we see this in many um, you know researches as well that the, the religion of islam is the fastest growing religion but why why do you think even though you know our the, the discussion today <laughs> is the, the demand for news on religion and faith and and uh, the demand is there because not much emphasis is giving uh, given on religion especially not about islam and you, if you see islam is a religion that is of peace and people are entering islam from different cultures different countries but still you see that the news is representing or presenting the news in a very negative way so why do you think that so many people are accepting islam although you know the internet or the news is telling us otherwise so there are two things like yeah i'll i'll talk first about what the news is saying right sure and then i'll think why are people joining islam also so first the uh, thing regarding this is yeah that you know you, you have heard the word of uh, the term of clickbait right clickbait yes so you put like a s- small a uh, catchy title out there mm-hmm. and people will interest oh what's happening okay yeah and let's say a person kills it, it shouldn't happen it's it's always bad but mm-hmm. for clickbait it is a x person kills um x amount of people right yep. people will not be that much interested as so oh, they will like, okay this is happening on a day to day basis right now and but when you throw in into mix a religion or oh, a jihadi type person is killing someone right I was like, "Ooh, what's happening here?" Mm-hmm. And people start clicking on it, and that's where the news um, views go up, that's and people are catching on to, "Okay, that's it." Ah, yeah. And even though that person has nothing to do with Islam, Christianity, or mm. any any other religion, mm-hmm. right? But people be um, connecting him or to the, to that religion or that religion, 
And the second point now is why are people joining Islam? Yeah. The Holy Quran says, you are the best people created for the good of mankind. You enjoin what is good and forbid evil and believe in Allah. Mm-hmm. And if the if the people of the book have belie- had believed, it would have surely been better for them. Some of them are believers, uh, but most of them are disobedient. Mm-hmm. Chapter 3, verse 111. So regarding this verse, is wh- what it means is, Muslims have been raised for the good of others. Mm-hmm. Second point for that is, they have been raised not for the good of anyone, any one people or any one country, but for the good of all mankind. Okay. So Islam is not a religion for a certain area, mm-hmm. country or region. Okay. But it's for the whole mankind. Right. So Islam is the final is a religion now, mm-hmm. which is technically should be the law right now in my opinion. Yeah, but why? Why Islam? Why not other? Why is uh, you know? I, I know that no other faith, right? Um, claims or yes. no other prophet before Prophet Muhammad peace and blessings Allah be upon him <coughs> ever claimed to be a universal uh, a prophet or Indeed. a prophet that has given a message or came with a message for the whole mankind, right? But why do you think that, you know, why did Islam claim to be a, a, a religion that is a complete and a religion that is for everyone? So before Islam, uh, um, the, how many, about 124,000 prophets had been sent throughout the whole world, small areas mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And then slowly and steadily, when the message got out there, yep. there had to be a final a law-bearing prophet yeah. which will say okay this is the last sharia mm-hmm. and anyone who comes after him will be under his banner now mm-hmm. last uh, sharia law, as in last law-bearing, law law-bearing uh-huh. prophet okay and anyone who comes after him will be coming under his banner now right and th- because what the teachings were there were variants mm-hmm. throughout for Jews there was this um, teaching that you should go out and fight for yourselves right for Christians, like, okay, you should back up a bit. Mm-hmm. And then Islam came. I'm just putting out just quick references, if yeah, you understand yeah, yeah. quickly. Mm-hmm. So, because we don't have that much time. As as, as long if it's a debate on just religion y- here. Yeah, as long so as the listeners uh, I'm hope, understand I'm, ho- <laughs> I'm hopefully understanding everything. Yeah. But then and Islam came and it just said, okay, now it's time to have a, a middle ground. Okay. So, if there's need of backing yourself up you should back up mm-hmm. if there's a need to go forward and do something about it you should go forward right. and it th- and that's the final thing basically that's the religion and the teaching which came through then right so it, what i understand of islam is that islam is a religion that basically teaches us right it has perfected the religion indeed all the other religions all the prophets that came for you know from God Almighty and all the prophets were from God Almighty so mm-hmm. if I or you have lived at that time you would have accepted that prophet yes. right but then of course the you know the religion or the the, the teaching was only meant for that nation you, like you said Islam is a, a religion that is for all the nations or all the religions or all the whole mankind right but back in the time it was difficult to give a message and that will stay and that will be reached throughout the whole world because the communication wasn't like that so so yeah it's it's and of course whoever and i invite everyone who's listening and not for the sake of accepting islam or for the sake of um you know agreeing what islam says but i you know would say that 
go and read the Quran just for the sake of learning what Islam is about, right? And I'm pretty sure, and I'm very sure that if you um, read the Quran with a open heart of, okay, what is what is in this? Let's see. Let's see what God Almighty is saying, right? Or uh, then I'm pretty sure that you will be, uh, you will find it astonishing. You will find it such a book which which will you know, uh, which you will accept as a book from God Almighty. Now, as we were discussing, of course, it's not only about uh, Islam, but all it's all about it's about any religion or mainly religion being uh, misinterpreted or miss um, uh, the, the, the uh, misinformation is g- being given to the news now this uh, you know th- there are misrepresented groups of people you know giving false claims and not even representing 0.1% of the people and these people they call themselves a uh, you know, let's say the, the you got people I'm like sure how to that. these people are like the Ku Klux Klan and the 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 Daesh, right? The, the, who claim themselves to be, uh, you know, from some sort of religion, right? And they their claims are against the main religion, and they mainly use it for political, you know, uh, uh, use. And some sometimes you've got the Ku Klux Klan, right? Uh, uh yeah which is which you know these these uh other dies for example they have nothing to do with islam so um when it comes to um religion and 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 politics when that is mixed right and most of the time when that is mixed we will see that uh you know a lot of um you know a, a lot of the uh, these groups they they bring out their own thoughts and which will misguide people right and which will you know <coughs> uh in, um cause fights against each other yes um zakaria you know agendas for these groups is really um really you know the main focus right yeah. now mm-hmm. because they want to be at the top of everything and they want to be the pre- representation mm. of everything mm-hmm. and but the with the misguiding people that's the worst part right now. Yeah, and people are following them also. Okay, they're like, oh, because they're catchy. Because they, they all uh, news is portraying them every single day, and people are researching them. Okay, th- it might be something about them. Mm-hmm. They might be doing something right. Yeah, even though they are on the wrong path already. So some people do enjoy them, and our main focus should be to get those people out of those um, uh, unfortunate situations. Mm. In my opinion. Mm. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Saad, could you give us a, 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 um, a, 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 a I'm going to ask you a question and, and please enlighten us about this uh, that what are the current uh, typical mispresentations uh, are, uh, regarding the religious groups what is it that uh, yes. is uh, uh, mispresented so a report by the Faith and Belief Forum indicates that the journalists and editors need to be better when engaging in religious-centered topics mm-hmm. and improve their religious literacy skills. Yep. They should provide better access for ethnic and religious minorities. Journalists and religious organizations should be trained so they can share their own true stories and understanding how the media works. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the media often speaks 
to the Anglican and liberal wings of the denomination, according to the Affinity Organization, Graham Nichols, director of Affinity, claims that in TV dramas itself, the Christians are usually shown as repressed, dangerous zealots or harmless figures of fun that wouldn't help and contribute to important matters. The only time Christian views are heard is when campaigning on important issues or being dismissed as extremists um, easily for the slices of the things. And many other religious groups feel the same. Uh, media reaches out to a narrow sample of faith group leaders to hence misrepresentation may occur. Also, there are, um, you know, there is rarely any analytics uh, provided with the religious faith com commentaries. So um, we're going to go to our first guest, uh, Dr. Um, Abby Day, um, who's waiting to speak to us. Um, Dr. Abby Day is a senior research fellow at the University of Kent, where she teaches the uh, anthropology of religion and also uh, is a reader in um, sociology of religion at Goldsmith University of UK. Um, with this short intro, I would like to welcome Dr. Abby Day. Uh, Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome to our show. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here as always. Thank you. Um, Dr. Um, how is religion represented in the mainstream, mainstream media? Well, you know, just listening to part of what you said, um, I, I think in general we have to look at which media we are talking about because some some parts of the media are, are very fair and very consistent and, and others are not. I think often if we look at mainstream radio, TV, uh, thinking about mainstream newspapers, I think most of the time Christianity is, is generally presented more favorably than Islam. Mm. Certainly, I would say this would be the case when we look at occasions of violence, for example. Mm. Um, quite often, the religion of the perpetrator is never remarked upon if they're a white man. Um, mm. But they're very, very likely to be called a terrorist if for some reason they're identified as Muslim. And I think there is a bias in the media in that regard. And I can think of some examples. For example, there was a terrible incident, you might recall, your listeners might recall, in Norway a few years ago, yes. where somebody called Anders Breivik uh, killed, I think, 70 young people because he thought that they were representing a political party who favored immigration and therefore, in his view, was, as he said at his manifesto, um, endangering the Christian nature of Norway. But when, when we read about him, we never hear about him being a Christian. We never hear about him being a terrorist. And I think, I think the media is, is often very one-sided. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, my second question was, was about this. I mean, um, when it comes to Christianity, um, compared to Islam, there's, there's a conflict, right? So there's always a a favoritism or Christian Christianity if any Christian does anything uh, he or she wouldn't be uh, portrayed as a, a, a terrorist but why why do we have this difference between between the religion in, in, in the media well partly as you said in your introduction um, and uh, my biographical detail is a little out of date I'm now a professor of race faith and culture at Goldsmith and it's important to me to see these things intertwined. 
race and faith and culture, because I think that's the issue, how they're intertwined and where about the media is coming from and what their target audience is. And, you know, it's not just what is said, but what is not said. For example, I've written a bit about um, the, the war currently in Ukraine. We very rarely hear about Putin being Christian, do we? We very rarely mm. hear. Uh, and he says he is, and he's claimed in the past that part of what he wants to do, and he certainly did when he invaded uh, Crimea, is to restore what he sees as Russia's glorious Christian past. And and the Russian Orthodox Church is behind him, but we don't we don't see that. It's not brought out in the same way that I think it could be. So I think we need to think about the the role that media sometimes portray, plays in portraying what they want to see for their audiences, and mm. for their audiences, what they also want to see is um, powerful symbolic dominance of what they think is the rightful prime white Christian culture of let's say the UK and everyone else is seen as an outsider and this plays into what we understand about about national identity and how the idea of nation is created and at the root of that is is really the idea that we have a them and an us hmm. and I think the media is very much part of that kind of conversation of who's us who's them hmm. yes um doctor with this them and us thing right can, is there a way we can improve this? And what is the importance of covering topics of faith more on the news? Well, as your, as your site says as well, let's not forget that most of the people in the world are religious, right? Yes. I mean, we might, have, uh, we might go downplay that sometimes, but most of the people in the world are religious. And religion is a really important social force. And I think sometimes we, we just forget that a little bit. We forget, for example, that in the UK, in the House of Lords, which is the highest form of parliament we have here, mm -hmm. there are permanent places there for Christian bishops. Only Christian bishops are represented there. And the UK is only one of two countries in the world that reserves places in government for religious leaders, as the UK and Iran. Okay. So mm -hmm. we have to look at the importance of religion in the public sphere and how it, it interplaces, for example, with education, with politics, with with entertainment, with what we might think of as just common sense, ordinary conversations. These need to be examined much more closely. And I think, I think religious leaders need to take more responsibility for this and learn to communicate with the media, learn to find a story, an angle that will be of interest to the media instead of just waiting for them to come and say, oh, hello, let's do something interesting about you. So. A lot of people I know don't want to do that because they feel they'll be misrepresented, and, and often that's true. But I think I think people have to persist in doing it as much as possible and thinking about all the different avenues there are. And often local media is mm -hmm. more open to covering local stories. And so instead of always thinking everything has to go national, stay local, do a, suggest a story. There are very few journalists in the UK that cover religion. And I think every religious leader should know who those people are and know how to communicate with them and know how to offer them hmm. some good insights and some good stories and interesting stories about what's going on. Yes, that's a really good point that the religious leaders should know which journalists they should contact and get the message across to the world. And do you, um, so last question in my mind to you is, do you believe that the media ignores the news coverage of religion? 
That's the really important question we have today. Yes. Yes, I think it does, because I don't think on the most part, they think it's a story, okay? So something might be going on, but is that interesting? Is there a story there? And I think a lot of journalists are also nervous about religion. They don't really know how to cover it. And that's why a few years ago, I helped set up the Religion Media Center. That's a great resource to go to, because they have daily discussions, they have resources there that give a lot of descriptions about religion. But yes, I think a lot of media, a lot of journalists, because they haven't really learned much about religion, are a bit nervous and don't really know where to start. And so they avoid it. Hmm. Thank you, uh, Dr. Abby, for your time and, and answering our questions. And uh, I'm, I'm very sure that uh, the listeners, they've enjoyed your, um, you know, your talk and your answers. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. So, Zakaria. <laughs> with Dr. Abby, you know, it was really good what she said. Mm. You know, the leaders, really, re, not let's say, let's forget re, religious leaders to, to the side. Yeah. Every person who is religious, right, he, they should know which journalists they should contact, even on the local basis. Yeah. They can send out their articles to them, right. send out words to them, teach mm. them, pre, not preach them, let's teach them about uh, their religion. Mm. So they are also informed about it. And when they're writing article or presenting it in the news, hmm. they would be well better informed than beforehand. Then they'd be like, oh, this is wrong what you guys are saying. Hmm. This is the right, what they actually told me. This is actually the right part they were telling me before. Yes. And what you guys were teaching me that I was wrong. Yeah, but you know what I think, and um, it's it's a fact as well, right? So even if, you, if there are honest um, <coughs> journalists who want to put the truth on the news, or who want yes. to speak in favor of Islam because they might have friends or family or and especially friends who might be Muslim and they, they've learned about Islam, right? It's it's not always easy for them to, you know, give the news of it's whatever they like. That's because exactly they have what the doctor said. Yeah. It's your target audience, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's the target audience. They're attracting people to what they want to hear. It's right now, it's, it's all about bite size, not small things, catchy stuff. It's catchy which, stuff. Which you look at, you hear, oh wow, okay, that's like an explosion. You had, okay, ah, this is happening. Exactly. Okay, so you have something to talk about today. Hmm. If I'm talking about, okay, yes, today we did this, this, that, and this, you, like a life, uh, what's called a time frame, you're telling them hmm. X, Y, and Z. And But if you're telling them A and scripting every, uh, uh, skipping everything in the middle and saying Z, yeah. And they're like, oh, what happened in the middle? Let, let, let us quickly click on this. Oh, then they can, then that's that's where they catch you out then. Mm. You just know, okay, something happened and this is the outcome of it. But mm. you don't know what's happening in the middle, right? Mm. And what happened to that person? Mm. And that's how they, the news portrays normally. Definitely. They have an A and a Z. There's nothing in, there's no A, B and C a, B and, and C. two to Z. Yes. It's like, like A, okay, this happened and this is the outcome. And people are like, okay, something must have happened. And something they believe them, what the news, then yeah. whatever tells them at that point. Mm, that's true. A report of the Commission on Religion and Belief in British Public Life of a two-year investigation showed that everyone involved in that report is concerned to show religion and belief shown by the media. Independent press standard organizations are encouraged that they become tougher when correction is corrected and are given equal importance as the original articles. The report documents the unfair treatment of Muslims by certain journalists, especially because the media focuses on religion often when extreme Muslim acts occur 
and at the same time ignores great levels of Christian ex- extremists, like like uh, Dr. Abby said, um, when, when that occurs. And and the report indicates that this occurs by expression and omission, naming as well as not naming the religion or ethnicity of the terrorist. For example, uh, you know uh, the the um, Dr. Abby just gave the example of Anders Breivik, who was a, uh, a Norwegian, a Christian, um, but uh, his you know his description was only given that he was a a Norwegian person, right? And afterwards, I believe they have given, uh, you know, they have said that he had some some sort of mental issues. I mean, have you seen this? Um, it's, it's it's happened quite often, right? A person who went crazy, did a mass shooting, right? And then afterwards, they would not say if that person was a Christian or not. In fact, Anders Breivik, he afterwards, uh, you know, describes himself as a Christian, but they never said that he was a Christian. You know, afterwards we, we came to know about it, right? Similarly, um, uh, scholar Stefan Prothero, Prothero has pointed out that his actions are based on a political reasons and not religious. Um, and this is usually not accepted for Muslims, you know, who claim uh, the same things, right? And, and, and whoever so-called Muslims do any any act, right? They will call it as a terrorist act and they will associate that with Islam, which is which Islam has you know Islam has nothing to do with any of the terrorist uh, uh, attacks that people do because as you know, a very famous verse of the Holy Quran that not just Muslims but others as well know that if you kill one person is as if you're killing the, the whole, whole mankind. mankind. And if you've saved one person, then it's as if you saved the whole mankind. Yes. Zakaria, you know, when you mention about mass shootings which are happening, and that suddenly pops up in my mind, USA, but that's mostly linked with shootings in school, yeah. which is not the greatest thing mm-hmm. uh, anyone can do, right? I mean, it's a horrible It's a horrible act. thing. It's, so, it's, but it's, it's an action that no one could even think of doing. Yes. If, if if someone does it it's or even think of doing it horrifying thing you can that's do that's something you know that's so very worrying small children they haven't done anything to you yeah. right but imagine from May to September in USA there were about 12 shootings right which occurred hmm. and 12 we, mass shootings right sh- shootings which occurred not mass shootings but Just shooting, shootings occurred in school okay. in USA hmm. but meters and portray it right hmm. you to see one or two which pop up, which are actual mass shootings. Yeah. But these are, in my opinion, also mass shootings. If It doesn't matter if uh, one person is killed or even a, a person is injured because hmm. of, um, of that X person did it. Hmm. In my opinion, there's still mass shootings and which should be condemned in every single point. But they're not portrayed in, uh, portrayed in the media because people are not interested in that too much. Yeah. They'll be like, okay, if, a, if, if one person is killed and it was a Muslim guy hmm. or a Muslim woman did it, mm-hmm. Newsletters everywhere. Hmm. They were like, terrorist attack happened. Mm-hmm. Terrorist this, terrorist that, and people were like, oh, that was even though one person was killed, yeah, and someone someone else killed ten people at the same time. Right. The ten per, the, the guy who killed ten people at that moment won't be portrayed in the media because he's not a Muslim. Exactly. I mean, you know, the, it's it's really really true what Dr. Abby said, right? It's, it's a target. that that it's a targeted audience and it's also 
the the people behind the news as well. That's they, why they they have a, a certain background, yeah. or not just just the news presenters, mm. but actually who are controlling the news, right? Yeah. They have a agenda, right, of you know portraying, let's say, Islam in such a such a way, right? Which yes. is which is very very, you know, which <laughs> allows and you know like, I'm I'm gonna be very open, right? Allows government. Governments, right? Governments to go and <laughs> bombard the whole country, you know, killing millions of people, right? And and uh, the majority of the people that are listening this and and the the news, they'll say, okay, that's fine. Muslims are you know horrible people, anyways. Muslims, you know, have this sort of thing and that thing and this thing, but they've never ever read the Holy Quran. That's why in the beginning of the the show as well, I said that you know if you have any type of doubt of Islam. Just go and read this, you know, the, the 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 most authentic book, uh, the Holy Quran, and decide yourself. Okay, is Islam a violent religion or the most peaceful religion on earth? Well, if it was a violent religion, I won't be here right now, isn't <laughs> it? <laughs> if if it was a violent religion, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you be here? Because you, if if it's a violent religion, you won't be joining that religion anyways, or mm. ed, or that cult. I won't say religion, a cult right. which is violent. You won't be joining that. Or or uh, why are most of the people joining it to be violent? As in the majority of the people who are, you know, joining. It's, I think it's about where you fit in, right? Exactly. The group we bought, we bought you thinking, but that's the thing. Sometimes it comes with education. Also, mm. if you get educated by that religion, yeah, and say okay, read this, read that. You you don't preach them. You send go read it yourself. Yeah. Go to the first source which is available mm-hmm. at that original source. Go read that yourself, right? Mm. And that's it. Even uh, what's called um, regarding uh, what's called media outlets. We were speaking before. Sorry, I, I'm cutting here short. But in 2019, a media outlet did a <coughs> survey and find out as soon as something happens when media is portrays Muslim, um, Islam in a negative way Islamophobia rises mm-hmm. dramatically at that very stage yeah and remember when 9-11 happened yeah and afterwards when they said okay terrorism, terrorism was done by Muslims and, and this this and that yeah. what happened and we we saw that anyone who was wearing a hijab or looked like a Muslim they were attacked in broad daylight while walking to the to the uh, to the normal day job or school, they were attacked by people. Exactly. Even even six, right? Six were attacked um, and discriminated as well At because of that. Because of that incident, and you know, from that, from there on, I think the love for six for the Muslims have increased. They yeah. could understand, like even you know, for example, I'm a Sikh. I'm not even a Muslim, and I'm being discriminated because I look. In a Muslim way, imagine how Muslims in a daily base would go through. It's 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 horrible, isn't it? Imagine you've been living in a community for x amount of years, let's yeah. say ten, fifteen years now, mm-hmm. and people do know you who you are. Mm. And then suddenly, after that incident which happened, which was horrifying, horrendous, mm. and the next very day, people were attacking those people yeah. who were living in that same community for the past fifteen years, and nothing happened. Mm. And they were speaking with them, talking to them, and the next day. They're like, who is this? Hmm. Why are you here? Go back where you came from. Even though they were born there, mm-hmm. like, go back where you came from. Go, hmm. where, where, do you want me to, where, where do you want me to go back? <laughs> I was born here. <laughs> That's very funny. I mean, there's an incident happened in uh, Srebrenica uh, as well, isn't it? In uh, 1995. Um, 
Um, could you tell us about that? Yes, um, there was a massacre which happened there, which was widely described as a killing of over 8,000 Muslims. Hmm. Without noting that the Serb military and political leaders as Christian terrorists, hmm. which is not similar to what happens to other religion sects claims. Hmm. So imagine 8,000 Muslims were killed mm-hmm. and nothing it was portrayed as terrorism, Christian terrorism. On, by, on the other hand, when something happens for Muslims, if one person dies, two persons die, and this is okay, terrorism, Islam, terrorism, Islam, hmm. which comes out at that point. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so we will be going to our second guest today um, for today. It's Dr. Stewart Yalit, um, who is the head of the research <laughs> for Faith Forum for London. Um, Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome to our show. Hello. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. Peace be upon you. Um it's it's wonderful to hear um people saying assalamu alaikum. Uh I'm not sure if you're uh, if you, if you of the same faith or another faith. Um I say my main faith tradition would be Quakerism. Uh, okay. Okay. I'm associated with Faith Forum for London and therefore work with a okay. lot of people from different communities. Okay, okay. Uh, so, Stuarts, um, for the viewers who do not know about this, what Faith Forum for London is all about, could you tell us more and for the audience also? Yeah, definitely. So, Faith Forum for London, so what we primarily are is we have a council of 27 council members who represent different faith communities mm-hmm. uh, throughout London and organisations, r- roughly like nine uh, world faiths represented there and we um, do work to try and build dialogue between those communities understanding also um, doing work on shared interests and um, maybe pushing towards having um, influencing policy along the lines that they'd be interested in um, pursuing mm-hmm. and then also we uh, look to improve like the governance of different places of worship and different organizations around uh, safeguarding and security and a host of other grassroots um, kind of projects mm-hmm. and endeavors uh, to try and improve the social life of communities in London. Okay, and you know, with all these projects you have, what was the outcome so far for your mission? Um, well, we, we've got a host of different uh, projects, really. Okay. Um, so we, we do some of the more grassroots ones would be we're, we're working on promoting organ and blood donation uh, amongst faith communities for ones that would be interested in it. We work with the Metropolitan Police on diversity hiring and also some work on uh, self-defense for women and um, against domestic abuse. We work towards like inclusivity in sport. We do like a tree planting scheme where a bunch of different faith communities um, plant trees and try and mm-hmm. uh, work with ecology claims. Uh, we did a lot of work during the pandemic trying to um, spread um, factual information to different communities on um, COVID and COVID compliance. Um, through doctors within those communities and also faith leaders who would be trusted representatives. We've done um, big interfaith events like during Sukkot, a Jewish celebration. We had um, two communities come together around Bronsbury and build a Sukkot in a mosque. 
okay. promoting uh, relations between the two. And we've also done, um, a few years ago, we did a big project called uh, Turn to Love, which was getting different people from different faith communities coming out and expressing solidarity and uh, a desire to live in like a tolerant, diverse uh, society in response to uh, certain terrorist attacks that had gone on um, in Manchester, mainly in the uh, Westminster Bridge attack. Okay. That was mainly in response to. In in terms of the way in which religion and faith is currently portrayed in the media, uh, do you think it's enough, and how can it be improved? Yeah. So I well, <coughs> short answer would say be no. I, I don't think it's enough, and I think there's several reasons for that on both sides, both on the part of faith communities and the media itself. Okay. I think um, you've got certain pressures journalists are under, say, the pressure of the deadline and the 24-hour news cycle and how fast they have to get stuff out, uh, the press- pressure of the image, wanting a good image to go for it, and also wanting a good story with a high amount of uh, symbolism. Hmm. And I don't think... Um, and then on the face side of things, there's also the fact that they don't always know how to present themselves to the media. They don't know what time... Uh, to get their stories across, how to do a press briefing, how to prepare those images, and how to prepare that story for um, the press officers and the uh, people, the journalists who are rushing to get stories in. Um, there's, I think there's faith literacy amongst journalists who aren't people of faith would be quite poor. Um, and generally... I mean, you've got this thing where they're kind of swayed by like national, social, political uh, norms and where the discourse mm-hmm. and the conversation is at that time. Um, but then also sometimes not recognizing that they also shape that discourse and those norms hmm. as well. And uh, all those things are exacerbated really by the fact that we have this online media that's constantly churning and then wanting to get clickbait and then wanting to get readership. And the fact that they want sensational stories that sell and some of the good stories about what faith can do mm-hmm. um, don't always come across. They often go to faith in times of crisis after um, terrorist attacks during the pandemic at points of crisis um, where they really highlight the good work faith communities can do in kind of motivating good action, um, bringing communities together and doing good work. But then outside of those times the the good stories don't really come through partly because they're not reported on as much or they don't, they're not put across by the communities but also because they don't sell um there's other things in terms of like the the terms they use in media because they don't have a close consultation with faith communities and they don't have much faith literacy mm-hmm. there's some uh, sometimes those terms and the way they're interpreted by different communities get lost like for example i mean if we take um islam and the way that's treated in the media especially in um relation to like, extremist events and terrorist events um initially like one of the terms they used a lot was fundamentalism mm-hmm. but if you look at the history of that term um, that actually comes out of like the late 19th early 20th century and it was from mainly Princeton-based theologians and academics who wanted to kind of respond to things that happened in Christian theology and um, 
like the emergence of higher biblical criticism and also a response to modernity and science, and they wanted to reaffirm a commitment to scripture and scriptural literalism, um, and also a, a more conservative faith. Now, if someone has a commitment to scripture or is more conservative, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to engage in violent acts. Mm-hmm. But that, so that term was just transferred across by the media from the way it was used from this very specific group of academics in the early 20th century. But when people in the press started catching wind of the fact that that term might not be ideal for the context, um, the one they went for, they changed terms to try and represent that some of these more extreme actions weren't to do with, say, conservative religious belief or scriptural literalism. It was more to do maybe with political grievances, uh, grievances against foreign policy, and that kind of stuff. So, but the term they landed on was um, Islamism. And the ism was supposed to denote that it was political rather than the actual religion. Mm. But obviously, in some ways, that term is more problematic than the previous term because to lay people, it associates it more closely with Islam. And also, the question of like politicalization of the different ways you can see religions as relating to politics. So the, uh, the kind of political system you get out of reading, say, the Medinan verses, mm-hmm. uh, would be very different to the way politics was informed by, say, um, the work of Said Qutb and these reactions to imperialism mm-hmm. and uh, foreign policy. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so even when they try and change terms and be very careful about sometimes... They, they still don't get it right because it's fast-moving and they're not in consultation with it. And th- and now what's happening, because the discourse around extremism has been focused on Islam for so long, or Islamism, you've got um, different forms of extremism still ideologically informed from different communities. I heard you talking about Christian-informed extremist actions. There's also like nationalist Sikhs who could be uh, called radicals in certain senses and Hindu nationalism but they don't because the discourse the media have kind of defined for themselves for so long has been around Islamic terrorism they don't know how to speak of those kind of new instances in ways where they um, learn important lessons from what's gone in the past while noting the differences so um, yeah even that kind of they still don't quite get it right. So in terms of what you can do to improve it, um, I agree what they're saying about, uh, well, improving the uh, kind of professionalism of faith communities and knowing how to speak to the media, um, going to local news sites, going to um, alternative media that you've got doing podcasts and uh, different shows that are kind of promoting... So Stuart, sorry, you know this uh, talk. Sorry. Uh, uh, I'm, sh- I'm sorry. I'm actually sorry. I'm cutting you short here, but we have That's one okay. more question, which the audience, because we're coming to the end to, uh, to the hour also. So okay. I, a, the audience wanted to ask also, why is it so important to cover and educate others in feather, matter of faith? That was a question which the audience wanted to ask. Okay, um, so I suppose I've touched on this a bit, but yes. one because faith literacy and understanding the nuances of different groups kind of helps in um, understanding, promoting tolerance, in getting those 
important dialogues going and mm-hmm. understanding the nuances of different communities that can foster, I think, a better society. So that's, um, and then you kind of deal with these events that can cause communal tensions by promoting greater faith literacy and having those more specific conversations. And two, I'd say it's because of what faith can bring to the public sphere and society as a positive. I mean, I think religion is one of the greatest forces for bringing people together and motivating action. And I think you can see that in the way faith communities really stepped up and helped people during the pandemic around like um, food mm. banks and h- helping people sustain like some social connection. So, and if you don't get those positive stories as well, you, you lose the role that religion can play in promoting a good and healthy society. Thank so. you, Stuart. You know, it was great listening to you and for the audience also to understand what you do and for the, for the work you're doing with different communities also. I would have liked to thank you for coming on the show for today and no letting problem. our audience know about this. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, no problem. I would, I would say we are going to do more blogs and more podcasts via the Faith Forum to, to promote those good stories and that positive news. That's fine. So, thank uh, you so much for yeah, no letting no, the audience know. No problem. Thank I'll, you. I'll leave it to round up. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Cheers. Thank you. So this was uh, uh, Dr. Stewart Yarlett, a um, head of the research of Faith Forum for London. Uh, one thing that uh, I missed um, and I, I, we, we didn't discuss is one thing um, I believe he said, and correct me if he's, uh, if I'm wrong, is yes. that that all religions have some sort of extremism in it in the faith, right? No, no, no. That's is that is that what 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 um, I'm I'm not I'm uh, if if that's not the case then but if if someone has this kind of thought that uh, religions uh, you know religion has every religion or has some sort of extremism in in the faith right that's actually wrong because every religion the core belief of the religion right doesn't promote extremism it's it's, it's about the unity of god it's the unity of the god and that's that's uh, uh you know that's what i uh, w- what people need to understand yes by the time people you know have added a lot of things which were man made for their political reasons right but it had nothing you know religion itself or the core belief of the religion you know was always for the unity of god to bring mankind together and so that they could live in a peaceful life on this earth because we and that's why, you know, the, the the every purpose of a prophet was to bring people towards the closer to the mankind through worship, right? And and worshiping doesn't only mean that we uh, worship God Almighty, but it means to serve humanity. And it's all religion itself. The core beliefs is something that always promotes peace. Yes. But what people represent has nothing to do you know if if someone is representing anything bad then it wouldn't be uh uh you know representing that certain religion isn't it indeed um you know even the holy prophet when he conquered mecca with ten thousand of his companions right yeah and uh, what what he could what he could have done is because remember for 13 years he was oppressed Mm mm-hmm he could have, uh, Holy Prophet could have at that moment say, okay, you did this to me for this amount of years. Yep. Now, it's your turn. Hmm. What did, what, what did uh, uh, the Holy Prophet say? 
because I won't do anything to you today. Yeah. I've I've forgiven you. I mean, imagine everything. being um, the nearest, the most loving people were killed Indeed. in front of uh, the Holy Prophet peace and blessings upon him, and not just killed, but you know, tortured, uh, tortured and even after uh, with 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 a dead body misused as well as in like you know they used to have this uh, custom that after someone after you've killed someone you basically disform the face by you know cutting and all the, all sort of you know these kind of things right so uh, still the holy prophet like you said you know f- th- this is the day that you know i will forgive every single person and he forgave everyone as well and that was the time when a lot of people entered Islam by seeing how peaceful this religion is. Yes. And similarly with other religions as well, that it doesn't promote, uh, it, you know, uh, it doesn't promote extremism. It doesn't force you to accept it. The core beliefs is that, you know, make someone think that, okay, this is something which is, which brings inner peace. And and this is this is a religion that really really promotes peace. And if you really want to have peace, right, you would, you know, accept Islam. Indeed. Right. That's the thing. That, that's the thing. So that's the thing which the media needs to portray. Hmm. That's the main thing which we have to get out there to the media outlets saying, okay, every faith is not violent. Islam hmm. isn't violent. Christianity yeah. isn't violent. Yeah. You should get your. Facts and figures, <laughs> correct, right? right? Yeah. I mean, go and read the the the, the Bible, the, the 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 Torah, the the um, uh, you know the Gita, the Holy Quran, right? You won't find extremism in that. Yes, political extremism—that's something which is um, uh, which is added by people. But the core beliefs, or the core teachings of the Prophet who brought the religion of Islam and the previous religions—they never taught violence because that's against God's will so it's a uh, you know very interesting uh, it's coming you know, to the last minute isn't it, 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 it yeah it's the last minute and, and there's a lot to like say this, right now there's, yeah. there's, there's quite a lot to talk yeah, about in yeah. this we can't wrap it up in one one hour normally. exactly exactly but but it was really interesting interesting I mean. to find out from different angles also what others what others believe especially uh, from listening to our experts as well on 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 especially uh dr abby how she basically said how <laughs> media is you know portrayed right? and what's mm. what they're doing what what their target audience are i think we're coming re- to the really edge you know i would like to thank all of these um callers who called in and and told, told, uh, gave us a bit more insight to it and, and we can he- now we can go to the news you are listening to the recording of a live show please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome back to the Drive Time Show at Voice of Islam UK. Uh, you were listening to us in the previous hour where we discussed about faith and uh, news, and we had a wonderful discussion 
um, and especially with our guests as well, um, where they um, you know explained with their uh, you know experience and 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 about about what's going on 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 the social media and on on media in in regards to um, news. Um, but in this hour, we will be discussing about another topic, another interesting topic, which is. Uh, girls day um, and 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 why there is a need for the female empowerment and it's very in- interesting very important topic as well because uh, these rights um, for girls for women are not given to everyone and uh, there is def- definitely a a um, in, especially in, in some of the countries these n- not all the rights are given to women which they deserve right so today in this day is in uh, tuesday the uh, 10th of um the uh, 10th of uh, november um it, it it's marked as the unicef's 10th annual international day of the girl um uh, of of girl child during this hour and we will be discussing this issue facing um you know the, the the issues facing girls across the world right now uh, from education and employment inequalities to child marriages girls are still facing hurdles to success all around the world we will also discuss um, you know ways in which uh, gender inequalities can begin to be eradicated and that's a very important um, you know um, topic as well and and, and despite this common misconception we will also discuss about islam how islam has given a woman rights for centuries um in chapter 4 verse number 125 the holy quran says but who does good works whether male or female it's not mentioned just male right so male or female and is a believer such shall enter heaven and shall not be wronged even as much as the little hollow in the back of a date stone right um i mean islam's rights uh, to women uh, and and the equality for women and 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 the the main task or main message of islam is to uh, become closer to god almighty right to rec- recognize god almighty and in the eyes of god if you're righteous that is all what matters Right, yes. and God doesn't distinguish <coughs> man or woman, and Indeed. a woman can be higher in status of of righteousness, right, in the eyes of God, and who is the creator of of whole of everything, right? A, a woman is more than a man, right? So in the eyes of God Almighty, all His creation, including man, woman, they're all the same. Now, we will discuss in today's show. Will. Uh, mainly aim to explore the important roles women play all across the world, both in the home and the workforce uh, and even wider society. And we will also cover the rights given to women by Islam centuries ago, 1400 years ago, with the similar rights that were awarded by the Western societies. Mm. Right? So, yep. Go on. so I'll, I'll just know when you're speaking, um, speaking about it. What, what a woman has done in home or mm. outside at work mm-hmm. you know our mothers our sisters and they what's it called at home your mother is your first teacher when you are born 
Hmm. Your mother is actually your first teacher before any other Mr. Mrs. Hmm. X, Y, and Z teaches you in primary school or nursery. Sorry, the nursery, then primary school, right? Yeah. And it's your mother who's your first teacher, very first teacher. Yeah. And um, and a mother is a woman. That's true. That's true. What's called even? What's called even? I mean, I mean, I mean, till the. I think mothers are more connected with the children. Uh, most of the upbringing happens from from the mother. Mothers, isn't it? That's why it says that that the paradise lies underneath the feet of your mother. Exactly. I mean, there is a very famous hadith as well, right? Yes. Um, where a uh, a companion or someone uh, a Muslim came to the Holy Prophet peace and blessings upon him, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, and he asked, "Who is?" more higher in status in my eyes my father or my mother right um and and the, the holy prophet peace and blessings so of be upon him said your mother right and then he asked the same question who's after my mother then he, he said your mother three times he emphasized on the point that your mother is the most important person and then the fourth time the holy prophet peace and blessings of be upon him said your father so can you imagine how important a mother is for every human being? Yes, because she is your first teacher, and mm. even I think um, the second caliph, Hazrat Khalifa al-Masiyasani, yep. also stated that uh, if uh, if I'm able to present my point, I don't know it's going to take one second. If I can get, it, I'll tell you the correct correct wording of it. Also, sure, yep. a woman understands and tells those women who. You are um, sorry. This is not that. That's not. It. So yeah, it is only women who can challenge Satan permanently. Wow. As we said that, as we said, it is only women who can um, challenge um, Satan permanently. Mm-hmm. If a woman decides that they are going to make the future generation servants of religion, then who will Satan corrupt? So wow. it's a really powerful point. Sorry, I couldn't find it. I, I had I had taken up beforehand. I was like, okay, when it comes up, I'll mention it today. Perfect. perfect. But my. So laptop. this is this is a quote of Khalifa um, al-Musir um, Sani, second so caliph, the, uh, the second caliph of the uh, the promised Messiah of the Ahmadi Muslim community. Okay, so it's it's so true, it's so true. I mean, it's a mother who can actually defeat um, the devil because the mother will bring up the child in a way that that they will servants that we will be the servants of God Almighty indeed so this is you know when I when when I was researching about this topic also mm. then and this came up yeah. it's like wow I've, uh, it's like okay this is one point mm-hmm. I think I've, I haven't heard it before as such because when we say okay, you can defeat Satan by praying yeah. and all this it's the first time I've heard this but it's so true it's yes. so true that a mother Mother's upbringing is everything, right? Indeed. If your mother brings you up <coughs> in a way that you can fight Satan, you will fight Satan, and it's it's in her hands to bring you up in a way that you are at the moment, right? So of course, mothers they are very very important in our lives. Uh, Sat, could you also tell us, um, you know, as we are also uh, we will be discussing about the issues that goes face yes. uh, across the board could you tell us about that so then there are huge issues that mm-hmm. women and girls are faced with every day across the world mm-hmm. that boys and men are sort of mean you yeah. who don't have to endure these kind of difficulties mm. so UNICEF did a survey a study 
So in education worldwide, nearly one in four girls between between the age of 15 and 19 are neither employed or in education or in training. Yeah. Whereas compared to boys, one in 10 boys. So one in four women who have aged nine, 15 to 19 who are neither employed mm-hmm. nor in training or in education. My sis, my younger sister right now is doing criminology, mm-hmm. right? And and when I heard when I heard about this, she's younger than me. I was like, wow, okay. There's 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 some massive indifferences, which in worldwide on on a bigger scale, mm-hmm. the women face. Mm. And when I when when I was called my younger sister, I was like, you you know you're doing you're studying criminology. And you know it's it's, it's very you know with a, a girl studying this kind of topic sometimes hmm. people say why 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 did you go to something simpler hmm. let's say which is easier for a woman what they say you know what all the generation normally say sometimes yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 that's that's cultural thing also. probably hear it from the uncle or <laughs> it's, it's, it's a cultural <laughs> thing yeah. though it's not what Islam teaches hmm. it's Islam if you have to, even have to go to China to get education yeah. you have to go there and 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 uh, the, the Holy Prophet didn't say no, that it's uh, it's it's for men only. Right? Yeah, <laughs> it's for. It's not just women for men. Only. It's for, it's so it's for, for everyone. everyone. Yeah, everyone. If you get if you learn something from China, go to China and learn for and exactly. learn there. Exactly. Why 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 did the Holy Prophet say China specifically? That's, I need to research about this, <laughs> Zachary. So I, I, you know. I what I think is um, I think back in the days during the pr- time of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings upon him, China was the hub of knowledge at that time. Yes, and afterwards it became the the golden age of Islam where people from around the world came to the Islamic empires to seek knowledge, right? I think China was also, what I understand of these things is, one, China was the hub of knowledge at that time, during the time of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. But also, what I also understand from this is that the the effort that you have to do to go all the way to China, which oh. was possible at that time, you, you didn't, it wasn't like you book a, a British Airways flight and you yeah, go there in the next five six I hours. Mean, I would, that's the, basically the, the the other corner of of Asia, right? So you have to go all the way on the edge of of, of the world. And that time to, you have to book. Exactly, exactly. I mean, the reason I'm saying the other uh, the, the other corner is because China is like it's literally massive. it's massive. But also on one side, right? Yes. So, I mean, you, you you had to travel for a very long time at that time to go to China, and 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 the effort that you have to put that is what all matters, right? So, if you have to gain knowledge, what the Holy Prophet is saying that you should go and and go anywhere you have to go, but put the effort to um, to learn to learn about anything that you need to learn, right? Yes, and even regarding health, gender norms and discrimination heighten their risk of unwanted pregnancy, HIV and AIDS and malnutrition, especially in emergency settings and in places where menstruation remains taboo. Girls are cut off from the information and supplies they need to stay healthy and safe. That's also a very, not very big thing that we say, oh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't talk about this kind of stuff, about HIV, AIDS and menstruations and refrain from it because these topics are uh-uh, these are big no-nos right hmm. if you don't talk about them and you, if you don't educate people without educating them it, it, it make you know for health issues a lot of health issues will arise yeah so we should um what's it called always educate them always tell them 
And if you if you refrain from telling what it is, yeah, people will not take some wrong wrong turns and which will affect the health. Definitely, so it's really difficult sometimes. Yeah, definitely. What I want to add on this is uh, there are you know countries, for example, India. Um, you know they they made a movie called Padman, yes. right? Where you know this man, you know he he wants he invented the um, menstrual what's it called um, the the pads, right? Yes. Uh, menstrual pads, and before that it was a taboo to speak about this, and they used to use you know clothes uh, like it like it just not normal cloth, and they used to wash it or sometimes. It, you know, you can't wash it, and they used used it for many days. So, so something, uh, you know, when not discussed, the there will be issues in the society, and people will die and get in, get infected as well. So, um, uh, let's talk to our first guest uh, for this hour. Um, uh, um, we have uh, uh, Portia Kufur, uh, who is an enterprise development manager at CampFed. Uh, Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome to the Drive Time Show. Hello, thank you for having me, and thank you for having Kampet. Thank you um, for joining us today. Um, can you tell us uh, a little bit about CAMFED and, and the work that you do? Yes, sure. Um, CAMFED, um, which is the full name, is the Campaign for Female Education. It's a pan-African movement that supports girls in some of the most marginalized communities in Ghana, Malawi, Tanzania, Zambia, and Zimbabwe to go to school. Mm -hmm. um, so we support girls to go to school, to learn, thrive, and become independent, influential leaders. Mm. We work in a context where girls face many more barriers to education than boys, especially at the secondary school level and are pushed out of school due to many factors grounded in poverty and gender inequality. Our programs provide both financial and social support and are owned and actioned by the communities where we serve. Importantly, a large proportion of our leadership here at Comfort, from grassroots to the international level is made up of women who were once themselves supported through school by Comfort. Um, they represent a new generation of women leaders who have formed a peer support network that we call the Comfort Association. And this network is made up of 208,000 young women, and they are spearheading Comfort programs across mm. Africa. Thank you. Mm, thank you. Um, now, you guys are doing a wonderful job um, in, in uh, teaching and, and for the education of girls. Um, but, you know, some people who are not, uh, who might think that, you know, it's not really important for girls' education or for the girl to be educated. Um, why Why is it important, you know, to you and your organization to educate uh, girls specifically? Great question. Um, for me, girls' education and women's empowerment, for that matter, is fundamentally about fairness and justice. But it's also um, the closest thing we have to a silver bullet that addresses almost all of the world's challenges. You know, it's the basis for female representation and leadership in all walks of life. Um, girls' education contributes to social justice, 
gender equity, economic development, and it's key to climate action. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that societies that are more equal are more stable, peaceful, healthy, and prosperous. So educating girls creates a more equitable world for all of us. And every day in my work, I see this incredible energy, commitment, expertise, and wisdom in the girls that Comfort Comfort has supported. You know, they have gone on to become doctors, nurses, teachers, social entrepreneurs, lawyers, and engineers, and they are helping thousands more. They compound and multiply their investments of education that Comfort and others have made in them. So it's a crime against humanity, really, when that potential is wasted um, by denying girls the right to education. Thank you. Thank you, Porti. You know, but one question our listeners want to find out is how can we help and support your organization and that you can continue such an amazing work? Yeah, um, thank you for us. So um, those who wish to support Comfort, uh, you know, can donate or help to raise funds. And just to touch on um, some of the numbers, it costs about £10 a month to support a girl through secondary school. And that funding will help her to cover school-going costs, uniforms, you know, shoes, stationery, sanitary wear, etc. And um, on our website, we have um, you can find our Million School Days fundraiser. It's another way to get involved in our work and support. So if you visit comfort.org and um, click in Ignite Change, there are lots mm-hmm. of ideas and ways to help, including for businesses. Um, others could sign up to our Sisterhood Pledge. You know, and all of this information is on our website. And if you want to join our campaign for the Day of the Girl, um, our hashtag is Education My Power, and you can follow us on our social media. That, that, no, this was the main thing. You know, we want to get across to the audience, especially how they can help and fund such an amazing organization. But you know, mm-hmm. quick, a small question: Did Camford have an impact also? Uh, throughout um, Africa and these girls? Yes, yes, that, and that's another great question. And so together, as I mentioned, um, with the 208,000 you know, previously supported young women in our network, so together with these young women, our community champions, our donors, we have supported a total of 5.5 million children to go to school across wow. five countries in Africa. And because our model is sustainable and scalable, we continue to grow in reach and ambition all the time. And in fact, our ambition is to support another 5 million girls within five years. So create 5 million more game changers. And as I previously mentioned, the impact, so the direct impact we have through education is multiplied by the young women leaders in our network. The educated young women, as I previously said, are spearheading our programs in uh, across Africa as guides. So, for example, you have learner guides who are girls who were previously supported by Comfort, who are in schools supporting young girls who, you know, are facing the same vulnerabilities they face socially. They're, they're supporting them socially and through life skills mentoring in school. Um, we've got transition guides, and as the name suggests, they help young women who have just finish secondary school to mm-hmm. further their education, sorry, to, to transition to further education, mm-hmm. employment, or entrepreneurship. And they do this by providing um, advice, mentoring, delivering comfort training to young women who find themselves at a position where they themselves 
where once upon a time. And then, of course, we have um, what we call business guys and agriculture guys. These were all young women who were previously supported by Comfort, who are leading our business and our climate smart agriculture programs by delivering um, training, mentoring, and facilitating um, access to markets for our young women. So we have seen, you know, it, 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 the improved status of girls and young women, the change they are leading in their communities. And when young women step up as role models within their communities, the, the impact is positive, it's direct, and it's very ch- tangible where they live. Thank you. Thank you, Putia. Um I hope and pray that you reach your 5 million goal soon and <laughs> help all these girls, young girls especially, and reach the education they in which they are craving. Thank you so much. That's really kind. Thank you so much. Have a nice day. Thank you too. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. So, so yeah, um, so that was, um, we had uh, our first guest, um, Portia Kufur, uh, Enterprise Development Manager at Comfort. Um, very, you know, wonderful work that they're doing, yes, isn't it? Yes, just for the audience, you know, you can visit the website also, it's comfort.org mm-hmm. and you can help and donate and reach them to the next 5 million goal soon. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yes, it's, it's quite commendable what she's doing. I was I was just thinking of a, the project that uh, this third caliph um, um, uh, had started um, and, and uh, it was the project of Nusrat Jahan, right? Yes. Um, you, you know about this, right? Yes. So, and, and, and if you look at the name Nusrat Jahan, that was the the wife of the promised Messiah, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, Mialabi's helper, right? And 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 you know the third caliph decided to have this name because um, this scheme or this project was actually when he went to West Africa and he saw how important it was for the education of um, you know generally people in West Africa so he visited you know many countries uh, like Nigeria Ghana Liberia uh, Liberia Gambia Sierra Leone etc etc and uh, then he decided to start this project there um, which I think started in in uh, in Ghana first in, right? in the 1970 in uh, 1970s yeah and uh, you know from there on uh, this scheme has built many schools uh, free of cost for whoever wants to come and learn. And, and and of course, it was open to everyone. So girls and boys, everyone came and, and, and learned from it. And remember, f- through this, uh, the ex-president um, uh, um, of um, of Ghana as well studied in, in our, our schools, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, and even it's, our... It's, it's such an honor indeed. to... Yeah. Even even our Khalif Hazrat Mirza Masrurahmat Mela strength in his hand went under this scheme to West Africa, oh, yes. or African countries, and uh, to in serve. Ghana and, and serve over there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's 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 such a wonderful scheme that uh, the third Caliph uh, has started. I mean, not just schools, but hospitals and and other s- sort of uh, projects were started. Um, you know, through this, uh, which is helping you know thousands of people over there. I mean, this is something that you know I just had uh, in my uh, you know in my thought. Um, Saad, you know this this topic is very important, isn't it? Um, what is it that um, 
you know women really need in this world what is what are the rights uh, given by islam to 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 women uh, because we were also discussing that 1400 years ago um you know we uh, islam gave these rights that the western societies right yes. which is given the rights uh the primary rights to the western countries which is more rights than other countries right but islam had given this right 1400 years ago isn't it yes you know there's a common misconception that islam hasn't like uh, hasn't given women the rights in yeah. in today's society mm. even though on the other hand islam was very one of the uh, was was the first religion who gave in uh, rights of inheritance mm. right of right for women in 14 1400 years ago and where now the western society are just catching up up to yeah so it was called this year um unicef you know is celebrating 10 years of international day of the girl child mm. and the ahmadiyya muslim community is celebrating the landmark occasion of 100 years of a woman auxiliary and uh, lajna imaila imaila means maids of allah mm-hmm. in simple words Yeah. Like we are servants of Allah, they are maids of Allah. Mm-hmm. So it does celebrate hundred years, and where UNICEF is celebrating ten years. Right. There's some small. There's a small comparison, mm. but Islam here fourteen hundred years ago, and there's fourteen hundred years of history for women also. Definitely, definitely. So this, this basically, what this auxiliary has allowed women the space and opportunity to discuss on issues important to them and their faith, while also working to raise. a generation of strong and pious women at the forefront of the, for the society so w- what are <laughs> the the works that lajda imailia uh, imaila is doing um the women's association and and of the ahmed muslim community do because it's a uh, it's it might be interesting for, for yes. the listeners to you know, to know about this for that you know if you if you had someone from the organization here it would be so much easier for us yes, but yes. i'll tell you some things when when i see my my sister or my mother going to these um 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 events or something mm-hmm. so it 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 is regarding education mm-hmm. work um home life and yeah. you know it's this is all multitasking mm. at the same time you know um, for example my mom right she works she looks after the home and she's also bringing us up At the same time i mean they have <laughs> a a uh, 24/7 work that never stops yeah, they, they work more hours than us but exactly. we get tired quicker than them exactly i mean i don't know how they just keep on doing it uh, even though i mean like for men right so let's say uh, men work 95 right yes uh, but then when we are back home then we think okay our work is done that's it our, work our is responsibilities done. are so, done so we can rest now but women it's it's never ending isn't it so they, they they'll go to work they come back and the, the work hasn't finished yet the, work hasn't the main finished. main main work of you know uh, of you know of home has started then uh and which they take it very seriously as well right but yes. w- the when 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 it comes to men of course we think okay our work is done it's it's finished but of course that's not how the holy prophet peace and blessings on him upon him has taught us isn't it so the holy prophet peace and blessings on love be upon him has taught us that from his own example is that he used to see his own clothes he used to wash the dishes he used to wipe the 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 um the floor he used to make the bed he used to do everything 
and basically he used to help his uh, wives in every aspect in and and always uh, he was such a supportive man and he showed a beautiful example that the responsibility that women take it to themselves that this is my responsibility the holy prophet said that you know a man should be a part of you know helping a wife of all the things that she does at home isn't it yes you know I, a narration just came into my mind you know when when we talking Zachary normally it suddenly some things pop up in my mind something from up, from what i've learned but as long as, it, as long as it's linked to uh, our uh discussion we, indeed yeah, yes we, we can so we can mention there it. is yeah. a narration where when the war times used to when i think i think i don't know which war it came mm-hmm. and but the women obviously they were also proper um they wanted to also go and participate in this as in uh, a war that happened during, during the, the time of the Prophet yes yes yeah. and what Hazu said is for uh, if a woman is looking after the home right and educating the children right as the same as they're doing um, school what the men's are doing in the mm-hmm. battlefield yeah so if they are educating our children as we, uh, we uh, I was discussing beforehand yeah our first teacher is all is our mother hmm. it's not even our father it's our mother exactly exactly i mean i i remember then that uh, um you know as uh, as you know um his holiness uh, hazrat mirza masrur ahmed the current caliph of the ahmadiyya muslim community he's going through the history of islam um and and you know currently he's speaking about uh the um the the first caliph of after the holy prophet peace be upon him be upon him hazrat abu bakr radiyallahu anhu may allah be pleased with him and he also mentioned about incidents of women being a part of the wars and remember all the wars that the holy prophet peace be upon him has fought or ordered to you know, be fought is was all because of it was for self defense and remember yes. uh, the last war that he fought or it wasn't even a war which was the fatha makkah or the conquering of makkah where his you know birthplace was where he actually eventually went back he didn't fight he said you know today is the day of peace i would not you know take revenge of anyone i've forgiven everyone if you come under the, uh, uh, under his banner i'll forgive you if you come under bilal has a bilal's rizalan's banner i'll forgive you yeah. and he started um, naming companions who the Meccans did wrong exactly with. and so if you come under his banner I'll forgive you hmm. yeah, even as we were discussing in the first hour of, of, of today's drive time show hmm. regarding when the Holy Prophet marched in he said okay you are all forgiven even hmm. though he was oppressed for 13 years hmm. in that very place he could have said okay I've come in with 10,000 now I can do the same to you yeah so what I w- wanted to say is the, he's, he was he was given uh, a a a um he was telling us about a war that was fought and uh, she mentioned about a, a, a someone right so she was mention he was mentioning that there was someone fully covered with armor and you couldn't see uh, this person's face and he was basically fighting he, on 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 a horse and he was going through the army of the opponents right he mm-hmm. was going straight through the army and he was literally defeating every single person right and um Khalid bin Walid who was the leader of of the um of, uh, 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 of the um uh, uh, of the army 
right, appointed by the Holy Prophet, so peace and blessings upon him. Um, he basically, um, he was he was you know wondering who this person was because Khalid bin Walid was really really um, very cur- uh, courageous and he used to fight. Uh, without any any fear, and he was and you know, he was very knowledgeable of about tactics, what should be done at this point and that point. Exactly, so he was uh, he was wondering who this person is, and everyone was asking and looking around, and, and they thought this was uh, Khalid bin Walid, may Allah be his helper. Now, and he himself asked, "Who is this person?" And when he asked the person himself, like, "Who are you? You're so brave, and you're fighting like." <laughs> like a mortal combat, right? And uh, this person refused to say anything. And then later on, among the, all the men who were astonished of the fighting that this person was doing, she said that I am Khawla, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, as in she was a female companion of the Holy Prophet, peace yes. and blessings of Allah be on him. So, um, I- you know, from this incident, we know how... Uh, you know, powerful women were at that time as well. Like when we think of women, that women, you know, they're weaker than men. That's not always uh, the truth, right? That there are so powerful women in the history of Islam who fought um, a, a, a alongside men as well for the sake of Islam, for the respect for 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 for, um, for Islam, who are still remembered till this day, isn't it? Yes. I think we have our second quote online, and we'll, you know, Zakaria, at this point, we'll come back to and we'll pick up from from this very point again, and we'll discuss about it more. We have Maisha Soma on on hold right right now. She is a she works in international multi award um, international multi award winning speaker, advocate against domestic violence and mental health, and she is also a mental health advocate. And with this small introduction, I would like to welcome her to the show of Drive, Drive Time Show today. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Peace be upon you. Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, can perfect. you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. Perfect. Masha, you know, first of all, can you tell us a bit more about yourself, what you do and what um, all, all the work you've been doing so far? Yeah, sure. So, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show. No problem. It's obviously a pleasure. Um, so yeah, my name is Masha Suma. I am a international multi-award winning speaker. Mm-hmm. Um, I am really passionate in regards to ending violence against women and young girls. Um, and this is through working directly in grassroots community things and also um, going into parliament, um, doing some work with the Mayor of London as well by sitting on different youth boards wow. to be able to take my voice and the voice of other young people that have experienced whether it's youth violence or any form of um, violence such as more an aspect of um, abuse, right? So I'm really passionate about... Um, using my voice and helping other young people find their voice as well. That's really um, good. And then I also have my own brand called She Walks in Value, which is a brand that provides mentoring, workshops and events um, to be able to help young girls to find self-confidence, self-love and to find a true identity and not to be led by what they see everyone else doing, but understand that just them alone are an inspiration to inspire others. So that's just a bit about uh, me, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. You know, all this great work you've been doing and also about She Walks in Value, you said this is your own brand? Or what is... Because yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't catch it properly. Oh, right, yeah. So it's my brand. So um, the, my brand is called She Walks in Value. I founded this brand 
based on my domestic violence journey. So I felt like there wasn't enough awareness, especially for colored people um, to understand what it was to be emotionally abused. Um, and this is something for me that I didn't understand. And that was one of the first signs of abuse that I had witnessed in a, an abusive relationship that I was in. Mm-hmm. So um, it started by me saying, you know what, like I need to tell as many people what emotional abuse is. I need to raise awareness. I need to help everyone to understand that it's everyone's problem. Don't turn a blind eye to it. And then it just became a brand. People were like, oh, when's the next event? And I was like, oh, wow. And then it came... Um, it became, again, like I said, a platform that I created. And then I started um, doing motivational speaking um, in in link with that. So, yeah. That's really great. So, and, you know, what and who inspires you? That's the main question, you know, today. What and who inspires you to help other pe- uh, females especially? I would say, first of all, um, my mom, because... Unfortunately, I've seen her go through domestic violence as well. Okay. And due to um, the community that we, you know, come from, it was something that was quite a taboo, right? And I felt like I saw my mom being silenced for very long or her or her voice being silenced. And, you know, then I went, unfortunately, through my own experience. And regarding my own experience, I was like, this is where it stops. All generational curses, everything that we have, unfortunately, had to embark on this journey that has been totally devastating it ends here and i understood that it wasn't enough for me to cry about it or to complain about it It was for me to become an activist and to act on the change that i wanted to see so um you know see my mom go through what she went through is what mainly inspired me and then also you know when i found freedom from that abusive relationship and just my own mental state and everything that i was going through and i believe that it was my duty to free others um so that's how it came about and yeah so my mom inspires me and then myself um as well and most importantly my relationship with god um, above all mm-hmm. that's what really inspired me the most because for god to be able to take me from where i was to where i am today it can only be god like it's there's some things that we can sometimes do but the things that are internal like the burdens you know the depression i used to suffer from for instance the things that I had deep within only god was able to um change me within out if that makes sense so that's 100% my number one in that sense um, but then after I would say my mom and then myself yeah and Oprah Winifrey is quite inspiring as well like I love what she does and just hearing her story as well of course she's going through a lot of abuse um, and I'll turn around and just being a powerful voice so yeah hmm. so um, um, I would like to ask you a question about the, the relationship of uh, you know God being your your support or the belief in God because it's a very interesting thing because um, sometimes when it comes to mental health um, or depression some some sometimes you don't find anyone to talk to or you don't find like you, you don't feel like speaking to anyone but then you said that you know God was in your support so how did that happen? Um, I think for me I was personally attending the church at the time and it got to a point where I was hearing the truth, right? Mm-hmm. And even though me going through abuse was never my fault, um, I was being taught how to necessarily value myself. I was seeing an opportunity that could help me to change my life around. Now, I decided, because I was quite proud, um, and I was accepting war about the God thing, I was thinking, no, because I was actually an atheist. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't believe in God because I was like, how can God be real? I've gone through so much, and I was someone like I said, was suffering from different mental ill health, um, disorders. I was someone that um, again had unfortunately gone through abuse as a child and then went through abuse again um, in my teenage stage and you know almost being murdered 
my ex-boyfriend three on three different occasions for me was like there is no way that there is a god alive but in that moment when um he almost when he almost murdered me on the third occasion it, it was in my the food that was in my food that was literally like if i have gone through hell here on earth what's the point because I didn't know where I was going when I would die. And the fact that I didn't have an answer on where I think I would go, that already was an answer, right? Because I was certain of where, like, my salvation, like, where I would go after um, death. So, for me, it was like, what's the point of going through hell on earth? Because I really suffered a lot of things that I went through um, to then die and go to hell. Like, for me, that didn't make sense, right? So, in that moment, I was like, God, if you give me one more chance, then I promised to change my life, to surrender, and to just give it 100%. And in that moment is when I found the strength to be able to leave that abusive relationship. It wasn't easy, of course, um, but that's when I said, you know what, I'm going to give God one more try because I had a lot of energy to do the wrong thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> to be part of, you know, um, hang out with the wrong friends, getting involved with the wrong things mm-hmm. as well. So, so Maisha, yeah. uh, the question is you know you, you have you found God you you had these um, all all these experiences what uh, to our listeners what would you give them advice today regarding female empowerment because even when you talk about she, she walks in value your brand regarding domestic violence and everything what is your main message and for regarding female empowerment for the audience today so they can take home with them um, I would say that your current situation doesn't have to be your final destination in saying this you might be listening to this as a woman you might feel judged by your community you might feel like no one cares but number one God cares and God sees and God does not unsee the things that you have shared through what you're going through there is a way out and also a saying that I like saying is that broken crayons still color so even mm-hmm. though you might feel like the situation that you have gone through has broken you if that's even the word crayons still color even when they are broken so you are still an essential person in this world. You're um, still you're still a miracle for even still being here. So it's just about having hope and you know getting the right support to be able to get to the better end. But the fact that you're here today it really shows that God hasn't given up on you. So don't you dare give up on yourself. There's a light at the end of this tunnel, but you just have to keep going. So that would be my main message. You know, Masha, thank you so much. You know, this will be for the audience. There a great message to take home today and, and ponder upon it later on today also i would like to thank you for coming on to the show today and letting and enlightening us with all the great work you've been doing thank you so much thank you so much for having me it was a pleasure same here thank you so much have a nice day you too thank you bye bye so this was a um uh, maisha soma uh, international multi-award winning speaker advocate against domestic violence and mental health advocate um very interesting uh, uh, discussion we had with her yes um, the work she's doing she, that's commendable in mm. my opinion it's really good what she's doing Definitely. and from uh, and her what's called her role model her mother where she where, where she has taken okay because if that's happened if there's one some if there's a domestic violence happening here that must be happening somewhere else also at the same time so she has break, broken that silence for many other girls at the same time yeah definitely and, and I hope and pray and she does more and commendable work, work ahead mm, definitely definitely now Islam is a religion that stresses um, on education yes. for men and women um, and it's an equal important uh and, and and the holy prophet peace and blessings so, so. upon him laid down that education is compulsory not just for men 
but also for women, isn't it? Yes. Um, you know, he said in uh, he said that it is the duty of every Muslim man and every Muslim woman to acquire knowledge. It's it's interesting that you know sometimes he would address all the Muslims. Sometimes he was he, he he would say Muslim man and Muslim woman. You know, which emphasizes that no one stays behind in in seeking knowledge it's very important isn't it so in other words you can say that only those who ponder can understand the signs of god and come closest to him and seeking knowledge refers to both spiritual and other types of knowledge like science nature philosophy and and other and you know a lot of other things as well um the Holy Quran also teaches us a, a short prayer, isn't it? Yes. Um, Rabbi ilma. Rabbi ilma. What does that mean? So it means, Oh my Lord, increase me in knowledge. Mm. So Such a wonderful, wonderful uh, prayer, isn't it? And so th- this prayer you, you get taught when you're really young. Exactly. And, and it's most likely your mother is teaching, a woman during, who's during, teaching you this. During, during a test as well, yes. during exam, they would say, um, our mothers would say, uh, recite this prayer before you go to the exams yeah yeah that God <laughs> and might. it does help yeah it does definitely help it does definitely especially help. It, it, happen, it helped me in my seventh year for my last final year exams okay <laughs> <laughs> wonderful and how did it go alhamdulillah it was really good yeah, yeah good. it was scary at the time mm-hmm. it was difficult at, at that time but alhamdulillah it was really good and okay. one bridge I've crossed that bridge now now to, I'm, I'm on the next bridge now Good, wonderful, wonderful. Now, uh, in keeping uh, with these commands of the whole uh, of the of God Almighty, you will find, you know, that women are well, very well educated um, when it comes to if if a country, let's say, especially in the Ahmadi Muslim community, it's focused and and there is a lot of emphasis given on education, and His Holiness. Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmed, the current caliph of the Ahmadi Muslim community, also um, tells us um, and awards the students who have um, done very well in their in their studies, as well, yes. isn't it? Um, at the end of uh, jalsas or, or occasions like that, and that's to encourage everyone, not just women, so just, just for just the for men. Sorry, just for the audience. Yeah. What jalsa is? You know, it's, it's oh, the yes. community gets together uh, once a year, and mm-hmm. uh, and where Hazur, our current Khalil Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmed, may Allah strengthen his hand, comes and awards these um, students who have done such commendable and done great work job in at in, at the exams. Hmm. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, after the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he was the mercy for the whole mankind. He brought the religion of uh, Islam. Uh, the religion which is a complete and a universal religion he after him who was the most knowledgeable person in your eyes do you think that from who we can learn um islam uh, to learn islam is obviously after the prophet is promised messiah alayhi salam mm-hmm. where he came again he came to um revive what was lost to our, us muslims but no even before that after the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has passed away. And I would say it was Hazrat Aisha radiallahu anha. Uh, so you're going as a chronology was, with timeline by, yes, by of course, oh, okay, of okay. Course, yes. Of course, um, I mean, he, she was the wife of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And uh, 
you know, um, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, you know, encouraged his wife to seek knowledge. And, and, and once yes. he said this, and this was a, um, uh, this the, later on, it proved to be uh, something which was fulfilled as well. And he said that half of the religion of Islam could be learned from Hazrat Aisha. Anha, may Allah be uh, uh, pleased with her, right? So, uh, uh, why do you think that half of the religion of Islam is learned from Hazrat Aisha? Anha, may Allah be pleased with her. Hazrat Aisha, anha, because she was, she stayed for, uh, close to the Holy Prophet for a very long time also. Mm-hmm. And she was also the youngest, right? Yep. She she had a longer life hmm. where she lived. And where we even know in, say, Bukhari, even say Muslim, we see many narrations which are narrated by Hazrat Aisha. Yeah. After Hazrat A Hazabur, lot of yes. the, uh, I, I don't know, maybe... Fifty percent of uh, of the ahadith, maybe I don't know. Uh, you can Could say, or a lot of the a lot, uh, a yes. lot of the sayings of the Holy Prophet uh, and, and his life and the teachings was found and was uh, learned from uh, Hazrat Aisha, um, the, uh, his wife, and and we learned Islam, the true Islam, from her as well. And and once a question was asked to her that, um, how was the Holy Prophet's life like? And very wisely, she said, did you not recite the Holy Quran? His life was exactly like the Holy Quran. He lived his life like the Holy Quran, isn't it? Yes, indeed. You know, and all this, what we've been talking about today, women empowerment and all this. And this even taught me today. And when even speaking to our guests today, and this has given me quite inside knowledge, what women do for us. As men also, hmm. you know, from a small age, I'm 25 right now. Even to this age, I, I've been supported by women around me, my mother, my sister. Mm-hmm. I'm be, I'm not married yet, but uh, Zakaria, you're married. I think your wife also supports you in every single step, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, um, the, you can say that apart from Hazrat Aisha, we've seen wonderful women in 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 the history of Islam who. Um, you know, we're very who contributed for the sake of Islam. Uh, and you probably know Fatima Al Fihri, who's the founder of the world's oldest surviving madrasas or, or schools, yes. uh, and also a, eventually a university. Um, you know, using the inheritance she received from her father, she was the one who founded and and built al Qarawiyin Mosque and a university. So it was a mosque and, and also a place for education, isn't it? So uh, it's uh, and and this this is uh, al Qarawiyin Mosque. Uh, this is uh, you know named after her hometown, which is in in Fez in 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 Morocco. Yes, I mean and she was a inspiring person as well in the history of Islam. She she was born around eight hundred AD and passed away around 880 AD okay. and 857 to 859 what, what, what research to say that's the time where she built it the university okay. type. okay okay yeah. right um, so we are at the end of the show um, as we can see women throughout the history have played an enormous role in the society and continue to do so without women this world cannot survive even on the drive time show for example 
many of the listeners they might not know uh, about the episodes, but they are actually, you know, researched and produced by the woman. Yes. So the, the 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 research that uh, you know we've been speaking about is all done by women, and they're doing wonderful job. Um, and and also, um, and this this happens you know successfully through. Uh, the research that uh, the women's team does and it is really commendable what they what they're doing and mm-hmm. since i've joined i, I didn't know about it before who does the uh, production everything right? right and when i found out about this and the way they're doing it is so professional hmm. and so what's called systematically yeah and we know okay this is this date and this date we are doing these these topics right yeah. and they are planning well before um time letting us know these will be topics you can also do some research on uh, research upon, uh, on these topics beforehand yep. and we try our best but when we get um, what they what they when they give us a script and we read them and they're even more better than what i have researched sometimes right and and we've seen that islam is a uh, is a religion that um, you know has been sent as the forefront of assigning basic rights Yes. and equal opportunities to women from the very beginning like you see um, the teamwork that happens to do all those great jobs um, you know it's done uh, with the support of women as well and in the Holy Quran there are numerous examples of how Allah puts men and women on an equal footing and on International Day of Girl Child this is something we must all remember and we should remember this verse of the Holy Quran uh, where God Almighty says he created you from a single being then of the same kind made its mate so which means that you know we all the same in the eyes of God Almighty and all what matters is how you treat each other and how you support each other to go through uh, all sorts of difficulties and, and, and struggles and, and challenges so uh where these two hours were very uh you know it interesting hours flew isn't by. it hmm. it flew by we um, you know tried to cover as much as as possible of course we can't go in too much detail because so much to discuss Indeed. about um you know goal girls day goal empowerment um rights of girls um there is of course in the first hour we spoke about religion if if religion is actually portrayed in a in a uh, rightful way or not and we see that of course not islam is portrayed as a negative uh, in in negativity and and the baddest religion unfortunately but um but i would like to say that you know we've cleared this up of course and um, i would like like we said there is a team that works behind um, the drive time show um, our producers for today were Kafi Zafir uh, Farhana Khan Arub Anwar and Ruhi Yaqub who you know, pro- you know basically made it happen thank you to you all and here is news <laughs> 